very happy this evening to have Father Albert MacDonald in studio with us. Father Albert is the co-parish priest of the Rarknanilon pastoral area, which includes the parish of Kildysert and Cranny and Coomeen, Balnacalli and Lissacasey. And thank you, Father Albert, for joining us in studio this evening to talk about the recent pilgrimage to Rome. Glad to be here, uh, Joanne. Indeed, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, Murray McMahon is also part I of our. I'd, I'd left out <laughs> an important part. Yes, indeed, <laughs> Forgive me, the people out in Lebashida and Kilmurray McMahon. Yes, <laughs> um, so, if you could take us back, Father Albert, to when your story with Rome began. Well, I suppose it began um, when I was a seminarian um, way back in the 1980s. Um, the numbers of sem- seminarians in the Irish College had dropped quite a bit and the staff of the college at the time asked the Irish bishops to increase the numbers and Bishop Harty um, wanted to respond to that so he asked me to go to Rome to study uh, theology and about 18 of us started in the college that year so there were more people in first year than the rest of the college put together and um, since then I've lived a total of 19 years in the college uh, for studying theology before ordination then I returned to complete the licence in in dogma uh, after being ordained in 85 and then I came back home, worked in parishes the usual thing you do and then um, Bishop Walsh at the time then asked me to go to Rome again to study canon law this time and that was in 1998 and then in the year 2000 I was appointed to the staff at the college and completed my time there in 2012. So I must say it has been a great uh, joy really and a great enrichment to get to know the city and um, you know I must say it's a place where I feel very much at home and um, I've seen the city and the college change over the years. When I first went there I was just 20 years, you know, so mm. I, was, I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been part of my life uh, always. And I guess that's one of the wonderful things about s- studying in a place like Rome, is that it gives your life a whole uh, new dimension. Um, Ireland as a country is quite small, maybe we don't always realise that. Rome is very much the centre of, uh, certainly the centre of the Catholic world, but in its own right, it's the capital of a very large country. Uh, Italy has 59 million people. Rome itself is something in excess of 3 million uh, so there's a constant flow of people through it and you know it's very much the centre as well for southern Europe or the whole Mediterranean world, the United Nations have uh, important um, bodies there, the Food Agriculture Organisation uh, for example has their headquarters there mm-hmm. so in addition to the Catholic Church dimension there's so many other dimensions as well. Yeah and I'm just thinking of you know on one an hour two or an hour, I was part of the pilgrimage um, one of the nights on the bus we passed the World Food Programme I yeah. think and headquarters and I'd just like to pay tribute to a, a Clare man who, who died you know in that um, tragic um, plane accident in Africa just uh, uh, not so long ago That's right yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah indeed yeah and there, there always have been a number of Irish people on the staff there yes. and uh, yeah they have done wonderful work and it's a very practical organisation in the sense it is literally about helping communities to grow food so that it becomes self-sustaining yes, uh, yeah. so it and is prepare them for floods and things uh, sure. off the low grounds and up to higher grounds. yeah all of those yeah, things yeah yeah, yeah. So very much the sort of work that Trocra does yeah, except yeah. they're doing it in the context of the UN yes yeah, yeah. so very enriching and mind opening um 
experience? Yeah, I would think so. Mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed it. And um, in many ways, I suppose you could say that the Catholic Church had an Erasmus programme long before anyone else did. The college was <laughs> founded. And people got to go. Well, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, it's been, yeah. the college was, the Irish College was founded way back in the 1620s. Yes. Uh, and, um, you know, there have been links. Future priests from Ireland have gone there to study right down the generations, down through the centuries. Yes. And let's hope that that uh, continues. Continue. Yeah. And, and seven years ago, then you came home, you know. That's right, to, yeah. You were assigned yeah. to the parish of Kildare. Yeah, that's and right. What's that yeah. been like? Well, first of all, it's always good to come home. You yes, know, um, yeah. it's nice to be away, but coming home is, is good as well. I suppose on a personal level, the only kind of a, a sad thing was that by the time I came home, both of my parents had died about okay. two years before then. So, um, you know, so while they were alive and so forth, I was away. And then when yeah. I came back and could have seen them much more frequently, they had they died at that time. Uh, but um, that's the way life goes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, well, I suppose coming back into parish life was certainly a, a change because the whole parish system had developed quite a bit and the whole structure of our diocese and uh, the way pastoral ministries carried out had developed quite a bit in, yeah. in the years. And a massive change had occurred in attendance. Sure. Yeah. In the years you've been away. Yeah, Yeah. but also massive change in terms of involvement. Um, Like when I left parish ministry, say in the 1990s, you know, at that stage we were setting up pastoral councils and finance councils and Eucharistic ministers were being introduced and and so forth. And then when I came back, all that was now standard. Uh, You know, it wasn't being discussed anymore. Yeah. 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 So, like, I mean, there was a richer fabric. Uh, than than when I had left. Um, I guess we had so many priests in the past that maybe lay people kind of felt crowded out. Um, So, you know, so that was a positive. Uh, There were other developments as well, I suppose. Obviously, Ireland had become a lot more circular. Yeah, Um, yeah. But maybe that's a story for another day. You can see the positive, which is Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's, you know, we should certainly uh, pay attention to that. That's important too, Yeah. 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 And um, I suppose, you know, I worked out in the, the parish of Kildaisers in the secondary school there, John Bosco, and that's how I came to know you, Father Albert. And in some of your homilies, you would often have, I suppose, Rome had such a big impact on you that you often referred to it in homilies. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, I try to be careful not to overdo it because no, no, <laughs> yeah, because people can sometimes, but uh, yeah, I mean, sure, it's been part of my life, really, yeah. you know, so yeah. uh, um, so but, I certainly have enjoyed that, yeah. But in yeah. one of those homilies, I suppose you spoke very beautifully of one day in Rome and going down a lane to a side street to a certain church and viewing some Caravaggio paintings and in in that moment of that homily you, um, I was sitting there thinking, I have to go to Rome with this man someday and yeah. be shown these amazing places if only I could have the opportunity. And we were blessed um, this Easter. There was a diocesan pilgrimage to Lourdes and you were you were. Um, kind enough to vol- offer you didn't volunteer you were asked <laughs> and you agreed to come with us on the it was initially a youth ministry um, pilgrimage to to Rome and we spent four days out in Rome and we're just going to maybe go through what we did in Rome just to give our listeners a little insight into the beauty of the city and maybe some of our listeners will have been but there are others who maybe have never been and are considering going to Rome and this might give them a, a taster 
So on the the Wednesday, the 24th of April, our first morning, really, we arrived into Rome late in the evening on the Tuesday, the 23rd, and we just went out for a meal. But we got up early in the next morning and we had a papal, the papal audience. Could you tell our listeners what a papal audience is? Right. Well, each Wednesday morning, right throughout the year, the uh, Pope um, basically... It receives whoever is in Rome at the time. Um, the numbers can vary during quiet times of the year. The winter, there might only be a couple of thousand. When we were there during Easter week, uh, there was St. Peter's Square was, was full. It was an enormous number. Uh, that's probably the busiest week of the year. Schools are closed across Europe. It's a nice time of year to visit because the weather is, you know, the winter is over and you're not yet into the heat of the summer. So that was, that, that was lovely. Um, the structure of the audience is there's a reading from scripture, usually from one of the gospels. Then the Pope, uh, gives a little catechesis, a homily if you like and then there are summaries of that given in the various uh, languages including English and then the various groups that they have been notified of are, are welcomed and our group, the group that Joanne organised uh, was included uh, among the English speaking groups that was that was welcomed before the audience the official part if you like the formal part begins, the Pope usually drives uh, among the the, 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 the group yeah, yeah which people enjoy that's and a very exciting part I have to say it yeah. is yeah. 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 yeah and then there are uh, kind of certain people who are uh, brought to the front uh, the sick for example uh, the Pope usually greets them individually uh, newly married couples and we had a newly yeah, yeah, yeah we had a newly married couple yeah. with us from Silver Mines that's right yeah, yeah. and the Pope John usually Julie and Kieran McInerney yeah we're yeah. just two weeks married and decided to have their honeymoon on pilgrimage yes yeah. indeed yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, the Pope usually greets um, newly married couples in, individually uh, they generally uh, wear their wedding um, outfit their wedding dress suit and so forth yes, so that's um, so, so, so that's a lovely aspect as well and, um, and then people receive the papal blessing the apostolic blessing and uh, whatever religious objects they might have with them rosary beads or whatever are blessed as well so that was our first uh, morning which was a lovely morning and um, what I noticed really by Pope Francis he's so patient you know um, every time he saw a child was lifted up near him he took the child and kissed the child or if there was a person with disability he always spent a few moments with them yeah and it Cre- must require a lot of patience yeah. uh, John Paul II uh, had over a, over a thousand Wednesday audiences wow. so you can imagine doing mm. that a thousand times yes. um, the, the current Pope uh, hasn't quite reached that number yet no, but still it's every Wednesday uh, and then in in addition to the large audience on Wednesday mornings, the Pope receives various other groups uh, and various heads of state and all sorts of people mm-hmm. right throughout the week. So his life is very much taken up with meeting and greeting people. And yet it always amazes me how he, he then, he's so inspired, you know, in his views or his, you know, what what he says and his theological reflection. He, he must pray very deeply because he the words he has for us are always seem so inspired. Yeah, and there's yeah. wonderful spontaneity about him as well. Yeah. He tends not to read a text. Uh, oftentimes he will and then depart from it, or sometimes he'll just ignore it. And he's kind of a, a sort of a folk manner about him, that he speaks as he would sitting at a table, you know, as though there were just two or three people present, even though in fact 
you know, there were several thousand more than that even. And um, he also quotes a lot of kind of examples from his own life or people he knew or various incidents that he was aware of. Uh, so he's all the, try- all the time trying to link the gospel with, uh, with life. And I can remember, too, the people would often have said that you couldn't possibly have a Pope nowadays that doesn't speak English or doesn't speak the other major languages. And one thing this Pope isn't is a linguist. Like he speaks Spanish, he grew up with it. He speaks Italian. His parents were Italian. They were um, immigrants from the north of Italy. And he doesn't speak any other languages. And yet he has an extraordinary ability to communicate, to reach out to the world. And um, it goes to show that, you know, language isn't everything. That's... Um, it doesn't so, really matter. He's got yeah. true to all of us. Yeah, well, true, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think with social media and everything now, I know I would follow him yeah, and you can just press a button and translate his message so easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah that so is all. modern technology has really helped yeah. as well to get yeah. the message across. Yeah, so that was yeah. a lovely morning, the first yeah, morning. Yeah. It was a lovely way to begin as well. Yes, yeah. and then we moved on to the we moved on to the church of, you, you can pronounce it now, I know it's the French National Church. That's but, right, yeah. San, San Luigi de Francese. Yeah. And one of the lovely things about Rome is that it's a living city. You know, people leave their you know, rare their children go to work, whatever. You see, it's not a museum the way some cities are, some tourist attractions might be. So you've got the whole Roman layer and the Baroque layer, but then you have the contemporary people, it's people's homes and so yes. forth. And oftentimes it does come along a street and it opens up into a beautiful square or fountain or whatever. Um, the Treby Fountain is an example of that. You just come down a narrow little laneway, really, and next thing this most magnificent fountain is there. And the uh, church that you mentioned there a few minutes ago, Joanne, which is the Caravaggio paintings, is yes. an example of that. Yeah. Uh, it's located between Piazza Navona and the Pantheon. It's the French National Church in Rome. And it's got three wonderful paintings by uh, the artist uh, Caravaggio uh, uh, around the life of St. Matthew. Uh, the first, uh, there are three sides of a, of a side chapel, if you like. So when you look at the side chapel on your left, you've got the call of St. Matthew. And you have St. Matthew as a tax collector sitting there counting his coins. And then you have our Lord coming in and pointing towards him. And you have a wonderful interplay of light and darkness. And what's wonderful about it too is Caravaggio painted uh, biblical figures in contemporary dress and so forth making the point that the call of St. Matthew isn't just something historical rather the call of the Lord is something contemporary as well mm-hmm. the, the second painting in the centre which is the writing of the gospel and then the final one on the right which is the martyrdom of St. Saint, of Saint Matthew mm-hmm. which is uh, believed or Tradition tells us, according in Ethiopia, so um, and, and yeah. you can't but uh, help. Um, I suppose focusing a lot on all the martyrs in Rome. Huge yeah, martyrdom well, absolutely. Yeah, well, Saint yeah. Peter and Paul. Obviously, yeah, Saint yeah. Peter's Basilica is built over the tomb of of Saint Peter, and then Saint Paul's Basilica is uh, built around the tomb of Saint Paul, uh, both of which we visited. And it is very much the city of of the martyrs, uh, the catacombs as well, where yes. we yeah, yeah, which we visited on the final, on day. The final yeah. day on the way to the airport. Um, again, is um, contains the tombs of. Uh, the resting place of, of many martyrs since since Cecilia and many others. Yes.
Yeah, and every day, I suppose, when you're on pilgrimage, it's different to being a tourist. You know, very much the emphasis is on our faith and renewing our faith. And um, so we'd mass every day. And on the first day, we had mass in a very special church, St. Mary Majors. You might explain the significance of this church and its connection to... Right, yeah. Well, I suppose, first of all, it's um, it's the largest or the most important church in Rome dedicated to Our Lady. Um, secondly, it's the Spanish National Church in Rome. For example, the gold on the roof was among the first gold brought from the New World by the Spanish. So it was endowed by the Spanish down through the centuries. It contains an image, an icon of Our Lady um, um, Maria Salas Popoli Romana, which the people of Rome have a particular devotion to. And the current Pope, uh, before he leaves for a journey abroad, goes and prays. Uh, in the, before that image of Our Lady, and then on his return, he comes back and give thank gives thanks to Our Lady for the success of his of his visit. So oftentimes you get groups of pilgrims or visitors or tourists, whatever, in the basilica, and the Pope just arrives in, accompanied yeah. by a small number of people, and of course they're quite taken aback at Absolutely. this. Yeah, yeah. So. and so and it's lovely to hear you know for us to imagine that when Pope Francis left um, Ireland last August, that he went to this church. Yeah, wreath of flowers and yeah, that's right. Yeah, experience here, you know. So we're yeah. we're intertwined in that story of the church. Yeah, well, it is lovely. Yeah. yeah, and under the main altar, then you've got a relic of the um, of the crib. Uh, where our Lord was born. Yeah. Uh, so um, you've got so many relics yes. in Rome. Yeah. I mean. yeah. And um, just we're going to take a break for music in a minute. But just the end of that day, then we went to a very special church um, where Saint Paul would have been kept ca- captive. You know, on on this ground. You know, prior to it being a church. So that was San Paolo alla regular and I know your Italian is way better than mine yeah that was lovely now it's uh, you know in terms of artistic uh, treasures there isn't a whole lot there but what is there though is the link with St Paul and we're told in, 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 in the scriptures that St Paul spent a year in Rome he paid for his own lodgings and the um, the authorities assigned guards to ensure that he that he wouldn't leave, I suppose, and that he worked uh, there as a tent maker, and that several of the uh, of his letters, of his epistles, were written from there. So it's lovely just to spend time uh, where Saint Paul did live, mm-hmm. and our guide Kieran uh, Troy, who is um, who's Irish, he's uh, married to an Italian woman. They run a company called Cultural Connections, but three of their children are. All three of their children were with us, and they read from uh, some of the uh, letters of Saint Paul that may well have been written in that place. Yes, so that was beautiful, it was very moving. And I think yeah. what was so special about it—it it was really quiet because Rome, as you said, thousands of people, very, sure. very busy on Easter week. Yeah, and yet we went down again this, you know, uh, little laneway and found this church and went in, and we're, we're on our in our on our own yeah. in this little room, yeah. and then to have the letters read that were maybe composed yeah. in yeah. this place. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very special. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And uh, groups don't do that so often now. So that was lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was lovely to have that unique insight. And we'd really encourage our listeners, if they were going to Rome, that, that this little church of San Paolo.
Bible. We're here in the studios of Clare FM this evening and we're joined by Father Albert MacDonald, uh, um, parish, co-parish priest of the Rachnanilon pastoral area and we're talking about the recent pilgrimage to Rome um, at the end of April this year and we're on to day two now. We've just spoken about day one and day two. Um, we um, began the day in the actual Cathedral of Rome, which isn't St. Peter's, is that right? <laughs> yes, a lot yeah. of people make that mistake. Um, now, the Cathedral is St. John, St. John Lateran, which is located very close to the Irish College. And um, it's a beautiful church. It's got wonderful statues of the apostles, and um, which are carved from a single piece of rock and are wonderfully vibrant. And uh, you almost think as though they're going to move and come over and speak to you or whatever. And um, you know, St. John Lateran is wonderful. He's got great links with the Irish College. Um, for example, our retired bishop, Bishop Walsh, was ordained a priest there. And in more recent times, Father George Jones was ordained a deacon there. And um, uh, so it was where the Irish College was in that parish for a long time before we drew the, we redrew the parishes. So that was a nice start to the day. Yeah, and, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And each of the apostles, you know, were depicted by something like St. Matthew who had his foot on the money, you know. That's right, the, yeah. Yeah, the bag of coins, yeah. 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 And it, there was yeah. a lovely um, parallel between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's right, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, above the, the statues of the, of the apostles. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we went on, I suppose, one of the highlights for many of the pilgrims was we went on that morning to visit the Irish College in Rome and I suppose um, you might fill us in a little bit of the history first of the Irish College, Albert. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, the college was built way back in the 1620s. Um, it was built at a time, or opened at a time, when it wasn't possible due to the penal laws to have um, seminaries in Ireland. So Irish priests went to the continent, to Paris, to Salamanca, and Lisbon, and indeed Rome, to be uh, to, to prepare for for the priesthood. Uh, all those colleges are gone now, but the Irish College in Rome uh, remains. Um, what happened really, I suppose, the need for them wasn't there anymore. Uh, the situation yes. in Ireland changed. Places like Maynooth opened, and uh, it was felt important to maintain the link with Rome, and thankfully that has happened. Uh, the best known of the past pupils of the college would be, well, St. Oliver Plunkett, obviously, uh, a great um, martyr, Archbishop of Armagh, uh, Blessed Columba Marmion, who's got links with Glenstall uh, Monastery um, in County Limerick, and um, uh, then many priests who worked in parishes and, and so forth. Um, also, a lot of uh, Irish couples have uh, celebrated our marriages in the college. I can remember a time when there was maybe as many as 200 weddings a year from Ireland. Yes. Uh, couples who choose to go to Rome to get married. Nowadays the numbers would be less. Couples who go abroad tend to go to all sorts of places. Yeah. Lots of other options available nowadays. Even one of our mm. pilgrims, Marian Black, spoke about her parents got married in Rome. So yeah, there you are. Significance yeah. For her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, actually couples would often come back to celebrate their silver or golden Yes. Uh, jubilee anniversary as well so that was and lovely and too and, and the chapel itself Father Albert is a very yeah. special place well, absolutely well, when the college was built back in the 1920s when the present home of the college was constructed uh, like so many projects it ran over budget so two parts of it had to be postponed first the heating system was delayed but of course that couldn't be delayed for too long because the winters in Rome can be quite cold uh, and the second thing was they had intended building a freestanding chapel um, 
that was impossible due to lack of funds so a room in the college was converted into an oratory it never really had the feel of a chapel about it it always felt kind of a, as a room for a mass was celebrated rather than a prayerful space but then uh, back in 2012 2011 we were fortunate to make contact with a man called Marco Rubnik. Uh, any uh, listeners who have been to Lourdes or Fatima or San Giovanni Rotondo would have seen his work. For example, the Mysteries of Light in Lourdes, um, which were added some years ago, uh, are his work. And also those wonderful mosaics depicting the life of St. Francis and the life of Padre Pio as you approach the tomb of Padre Pio and San Giovanni Rotondo are his work as well. But we were fortunate to make contact with him and he agreed to decorate the chapel. So there's a wonderful mosaic depicting the Irish uh, saints in the chapel and I often uh, reflect on that. It was one of the most wonderful experiences I had because I never saw a mosaic being created and basically the uh, artists working on it brought in bags of stones they were of all different colours and shapes and different origin, different brought from different parts of the world. They were placed in the middle of the chapel. And as the days and weeks went by, there was less stone in those bags and a wonderful uh, mosaic began to appear on the walls of the chapel. Uh, it's centred uh, on uh, the figure of, of Christ and then to the right and left of, of our Lord you have uh, Our Lady and John the Baptist and that's kind of a traditional centrepiece if you like that's used in Roman mosaics and both of those figures are pointing towards uh, Christ and then outside of that then the custom is that you, play, you place your own saints so if you had a Franciscan church you put Franciscan saints or Spanish saints whatever and it being an Irish church an Irish college uh, the Irish saints were, were placed there. So the Irish saints that were chosen were St. Patrick and St. Bridget as the patrons yes, of, of, of Ireland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, outside those again, you had uh, Columba Marmion, uh, links with the college, and St. Oliver Plunkett both of whom have links for the college. Then in addition, you had somebody who's much more recent um, uh, an Iraqi priest called Rahid Ghani uh, who studied in the college I knew him and he spent many of his summers in Ireland and his time at the college coincided with the uh, invasion of Iraq and the ongoing difficulties that came from that and um, he was ordained, returned home and uh, to his own diocese of Mosul in northern Iraq and was uh, killed by a group of uh, Muslim extremists and he and uh, three others, three subdeacons, were were killed uh, after he had celebrated Sunday Mass. Very and sad. It was very sad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. Pope Benedict referred to him as as a martyr. Mm-hmm. And the present Pope, Pope Francis, uh, wore his stole at a celebration of 20th century martyrs there a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So he certainly is a modern day uh, inspiring figure. He had been warned uh, that he should leave the church and close the church and so forth. But his response was that he couldn't possibly deprive the people of, of the Eucharist uh-huh. or close the, the house mm-hmm. of God, the house mm-hmm. of the people. And the colours of the mosaics are the uh, colours of the mosaics meaning, you know. Yeah, the absolutely. Yeah. A lot of them had red. You know, That's right, Albert Plunkett, for example, yeah. yeah. And the artistic work of the artist Father Rupnik is 
a wonderful combination of different traditions. He comes from Slovenia, which is at the very heart of Europe, where East and West come together, so Latin and Greek, if you like. So it'd be a wonderful interplay of those two styles. Uh, Pope John Paul II used to talk about the two lungs of the church, the East and the West. So you see both of those in his, in his art. Secondly, then, a wonderful interplay of colour. We spoke earlier about Caravaggio, about light and shade. Mm. I suppose with, with Father Rupnik, um, it's more um, colour, the different interplay, gold, uh, the image of um, oh, paradise of glory, then uh, blue and red, uh, humanity, divinity, and uh, uh, all of that is, is wonderful. And a lot of his artwork um, carries various levels, various layers of meaning. And sometimes people would ask him to interpret it for them. But he generally responds by asking them, what do they see in it? Yes. And Everybody it becomes a dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That it isn't just kind of uh, like a notice or something giving you information, but rather it draws you into meditation mm-hmm. and, um, and onwards into prayer and there is something beautiful and then because it is stone and it interplays with the light that every time you go into the chapel different times of the day depending where the sun is uh, your eye is drawn to some different aspect of it and oftentimes to something that you hadn't noticed uh, before uh, so that was yeah. that was a uh, well, it's a very very beautiful uh, chapel and, and just to explain to her listener it's very modern you know the, the seating are curved in an angle I think are they made from oak yeah that's uh, right yeah. and yeah. and to your right is a very beautiful large icon of St. Patrick and, yeah. and above beyond that another beautiful one of St. Bridget they have two more they're, they're at yeah. the back at the yes yeah. that's but they're right. also on the right yeah. hand the, side the idea is yeah. that if we sit in the chapel and look forward you're looking into uh, eternity, Christ yeah. and the saints in glory. Yeah. Okay, so that's the apse, if you like, behind the altar. And then in the nave of the church where, where the people sit, you have images of the saints in their li- from their lives. You have, you know, St. Bridget with her cloak, yeah. uh, St. Patrick with the well and um, with, the, uh, with the deer and, and so forth. And then linking them, you have the angel who is uh, in pilgrimage, so leading us forward. So there's a whole idea of pilgrimage. Holding yeah, a staff. His staff, a staff yeah, yeah. And, and carrying a candle a lot yeah, to, yeah. to lead the way. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it is a whole mm-hmm. unity of prayer. Mm-hmm. The prayer of the people who come there to pray, be it for Mass or for other liturgies, mm-hmm. the prayer of the saints during their lives, and then the glory offered by the saints in eternity, all uniting in the altar. Uh, which is brings the whole prayer together, the different generations, the different centuries, and the people in different parts, different phases of the pilgrimage of life. Mm-hmm. So we celebrated Mass in this very beautiful chapel, and uh, we can't but mention that you know we were blessed to have um, Bishop Fenton with That's us. That's right, which was wonderful. Yeah. He's so generous yeah. to make time yeah. and be with us. Um, and you were the chief celebrant that day, and we owe deep. Um, gratitude to Maureen Kelly, a pastoral True. worker in the yeah. diocese, who who led us all, you know, prepared liturgy and led us all in song. And yeah. it was a very beautiful mass yeah. celebration. Yeah, absolutely, it was a chapel. lovely ritual that Maureen yeah. arranged. Yeah. yeah, where we gathered yeah. around the altar, yeah. and it linked in really well with the mosaic. Um, and the married couples who were on pilgrimage, you know, want, there was a lovely um, candle light with the, um, a symbol of the ring around yeah. it. So many of them wanted their photograph taken That's there. That's right, yes. Yeah. And the chaplain 
Ireland from Limerick uh, Prison was yes, with us, yes. and she brought a stool that the prisoners. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Chris, uh, yeah, Christina. And uh, she brought a stool that the prisoners had prepared, uh, and uh, also various prayer intentions yeah. Uh, yeah. that they had given her as well. Yeah, so it was, was very special, very special day. Yeah. It, was the, it was the one day we had to be really, we were dragged away from that spot. We could yeah. have spent all day at it, but um, we had to move on. This was day two, and um, I suppose we went off then and. Um, went to had lunch and we went to see the Colosseum, which is a massive symbol of Rome. Well, it um, is absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, it's one of those examples that you come out of kind of quite narrow streets and suddenly stare in front of you, yeah. and that is so typical of Rome. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the wonderful things about it. Now, the area around the Colosseum is terribly busy uh, all of the time now. Um, it, but, it, it, mm. it always saddens me when I think of what happened there in you oh, know, sure. for the yeah. early Christians. And yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and at the Circus Maximus, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So absolutely. many died for their yeah, faith in, yeah. in these kinds. And also, you know, the Colosseum was con- was constructed through slavery, and yeah. you know, there mm-hmm. wasn't much emphasis on workers' rights or <laughs> or human dignity or anything. No, um, no those things were unheard of, and it no. is, the fact that it's still standing today is quite amazing. And all it those is. arches, it's, it's yeah. a stunning well, piece oh, of absolutely. architecture. Yeah, yeah, it's very much the symbol of Rome, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's not complete all the way around, but if you stand at, uh, say, the, if you approach it from the Irish College side, you see the part that is complete. Yeah. And it's really uh, striking at night time as well. And um, now, the, when I was there as a student, you could just walk in and out of the Coliseum. And oftentimes, if it was raining, we'd go in one arch and come out the other just to avail of the shelter. Now, of course, you can't do that. You had to buy a ticket, you had to queue up okay. and yes. so forth. Yeah. But uh, in many ways, the most impressive aspects of the Coliseum are the view from the outside. Now, yeah. the inside is interesting as well. It is. Uh, but, uh, but I think the most striking is the view from outside. I'd agree with you, yeah. yeah. I, I know when I, the, on this trip, we only saw it from the outside and a pre- previous trip I'd seen it from the inside and yeah. and when you listen to the amount of people who lost their lives there it's quite sure. yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. a heavy the, feeling the Pope yeah, comes there on Good Friday each year uh, on the evening at nine o'clock whatever uh, to, um, to pray the Stations of the Cross yeah. uh, which is lovely as well that tradition has been going for quite a long time and that attracts an enormous number of people and of course it is particularly appropriate that Absolutely. the stations of the cross would yeah. be prayed there after all that happened there and then our final day was Friday April 26th and we had Mass in St Peter's Basilica itself we did yeah. which was lovely and I think what's really nice about that is it was early in the morning and the only people in the Basilica at that hour are people who come to pray mm-hmm. um, the tourists some of whom would come to pray as well but you know they those who are driven just by curiosity uh, they come later in the, in the day and it's lovely to see St Peter's uh, fulfilling its true role if you like as a church yes. and underneath the in the crypt you have a lot of uh, small chapels including an Irish chapel and uh, which is dedicated to St Columbanus and um, we concluded our, our time of prayer there which was which was beautiful Absolutely. which was lovely yeah. yeah it was a real treat um, to and, uh, go down under 
underground and we walked past the tomb of St. Peter. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, people often ask about all these various relics in Rome and so forth. And um, the question people tend to ask nowadays with our way of looking at the world is, are they authentic? Mm. Now, in the old days, in previous centuries, people would have asked a different question. They'd have asked, what do they mean? What did they tell us? Yes. What message have they for yeah. us? And, uh, now with but, science, everyone wants to know. Yeah, is it, yeah, is it yeah. The real thing? But in the, mm. the, uh, during the pontificate of Pius the Twelfth, various tests were carried out on the uh, remains of St. Peter. And uh, it all does tally with those bones being, uh, being the uh, physical remains of St. Peter, you know, a Palestinian man from the first century. So. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we had another very special mass, and on that day we focused on you know each of the days our masses. On our first day we focused on the youth of our diocese. On the second day our mass was on I suppose the pe- people on pilgrimage, and the third day we we prayed for all the sick and the elderly of our diocese, which was very special. Yeah, it well. was lovely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, everyone wanted to remember their 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 own elderly relations or loved ones at home and people who belonged to them who were sick, and. Um, we had some, um, another, I suppose, Rome is just full of amazing art and, and we got to view La Pieta, the famous... Um, yeah, that's right. It's yeah. When you go into St. Peter's, yeah. it's, it's immediately on, on your right. And um, it's one of the oldest pieces of art in St. Peter's. It was in the previous uh, basilica, the one that predates the present one. And um, it was created by, by Michelangelo when he was still a very young man. And um, people always find it uh, inspiring, you know, Our Lady holding the dead figure of of Christ in her arms. Mm -hmm. And um, I suppose the strength of Our Lady in many ways. And um, it just speaks to people. Yeah, um, the suffering she had. And yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And Michelangelo himself was such a young man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when he created this. Yeah, know, yeah. yeah. There's like a story told about yeah. it. It's the only work of art that he signed. And it is said that one day he was in St. Peter's and he saw, he overheard two people arguing about who was the artist, <laughs> uh, the, the sculptor who created yeah. it. And but they were giving the credit to somebody else. So then he decided that he better sign it. He wasn't it. happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> So we know he was quite proud of it. And yes, it is, so, yeah. 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 And our final day then, we um, went to the catacombs of St. Calixtus. Yeah, that's Just right. The catacombs are located outside of Rome. The early Christians were, were buried outside of the city. They weren't um, permitted to be buried within the city during the decades or centuries in either of persecution. The catacombs, you go down underground and um, the nature of the soil there allowed the early Christians to create, I suppose, tunnels really. And then they buried their dead to the left and right. And you've got various little chapels as well, very examples of, of Christian art and uh, several of the early popes are buried there uh, we saw the chapel where St. Cecilia, the patroness of music is uh, yes. was originally yeah. buried and she was uh, another martyr that's right, yeah, a that's martyr right. in the early yeah. Christian church yeah. 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 then in later centuries many of the remains of the martyrs were brought into the city and placed in various basilicas, St. Cecilia for example her body was brought to the basilica uh, erected in her honour by the Tiber 
Um, but you still, it's very much a place of, I suppose, the weakness of the early Christians. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, you yeah. couldn't but be moved by all the stories of martyrdom when sure. you go down there yeah, and, absolutely. And, and see the symbols. Yeah. And, and it's three floors deep. Yeah, you know? oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and it 65 it. acres, I think. Oh, of, sure, of yeah, yeah. And I mean, grounds. it links in very much with the world today. Mm. I mean, there are so many Christian martyrs and so many Christians suffer for their faith in the Middle East, Pakistan, Mm -hmm. China, so many places. Yeah, absolutely. Parallels with modern day and even here in Ireland, Father Albert, um, you know, modern culture and secularism and it everything. It takes courage. It absolutely yeah, does, yeah. yeah. But uh, but we, I did feel great relief when you were out there, you know, we're allowed to express our belief, yes, you know, indeed. openly, yes, without yeah. fear of, yeah. of suffering like yeah. the early Christians yeah. did in yeah. Rome and indeed in many parts of the world today. Um, and then, you know... I suppose when you go to Rome, you can, you know, I know our cathedral here is dedicated to St. Peter and Paul and we read about, you know, St. Paul every week at Mass from his letters but you couldn't help but um, falling in love again I think with Peter and Paul when you when you go to Rome you have a new appreciation yeah. of them well, I, I think, think when so. you go to Rome yeah, yeah. yeah. We, in, we concluded by visiting the Basilica yeah. of St Paul where um, where St Paul is buried and they've done quite a bit of work in recent times in recent years excavating around his tomb and um, uh, St Paul's Basilica is a little different it's not as crowded as the others it's a little bit outside of the city uh, which is you know which is wonderful too yeah and and in this basilica his 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 body not his head his head is somewhere else isn't yeah right? that's right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and where he was um, martyred is at Tre Fontana yeah. which isn't too far from yes. now we didn't get a chance to visit there um, Tre Fontana is wonderful because you feel as though you're in the country and uh, yeah, yeah. there's a, a beautiful um, area where you can pray and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and if I was to ask you if you had a favourite place in Rome, or is that too hard a question? Oh, gee. Don't tell me um, a restaurant, or <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I like the Lateran Basilica. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very did. special. Yeah. yeah. What has happened in recent times with the whole security problem, there was a time you could just go into St. Walk Peter's. In and out. Yeah, mm. just in and out like you would our own cathedral yeah. in Ennis or mm-hmm. our own parish churches. Now you have to go through um, security checks. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, hasn't helped really. But I suppose the Basilica of the uh, Santiquatro, which is right beside the Irish College, uh, I've always liked there as well. Um, when I was back there as a priest living in Rome, we used to say Mass for the sisters there. Um, but I mean, I could go on at Lent, really. Yes. There are so many yeah, places that are wonderful. It's a question, yeah, really. Yeah. 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 Father Albert, it was absolutely fascinating to listen to you. Uh, thank you so much for coming cool. in to us on the programme tonight. Yeah. And thank you, Joanne, and thank you for organising the pilgrimage. Always an absolute which pleasure. Everybody yeah. enjoyed greatly. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll enjoy it for a long time and it'll inspire us in our faith, I think, Please indeed, God, yeah. for a long time. So yeah. thanks again for coming in. Not at all, thank okay. you.